Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey, guys. In each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. We are excited because it is the beginning of October. Yeah. Fall is finally here, and we are kicking off our month of horror films. Absolutely. I finally finished the list, and I finished it early, which I'm super excited. I, fi- I like... Did it at the end of September, so I was ready to go. Well, and we know that a lot of people do their movie lists. We've been doing ours for many, many years now, and we're excited because we think it's a really fun thing. So if you want to follow our movie list or someone else's movie list, I highly recommend it. It is a absolute blast. So for our movie list, we did a specific movie for each day of the month with a variety of subgenres within horror. So there's some comedy. There's some, like, absolutely terrifying. There's some found footage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all over the place. Some of them, if there was a service that it's available on, we listed that. But other ones that may not be on a service, you can always rent through Amazon streaming, which yeah, is we what made we sure, end up doing. We made sure, well, at least I did, I made sure that it was rentable and not ridiculous. Not like when it was brand new, it'd be like $15 to see because it's Yeah, we're looking whatever. at $5 or less to rent. Right. <laughs> and we've had a previous movie list with a movie we thought was available and it just wasn't and that sucked. That was rough. But we already started this episode of recording after we've watched the first movie, which uh, we'll talk about next week. So with our format... Each episode, we will be talking about all the movies from mm-hmm. the previous week. So even though we've already seen the first episode, we're not going to talk about it this uh, in this show. We're going to talk about it next week, all the first week's movies. And you can totally see the full calendar on our Instagram account where we post it. And it'll also be on our Facebook and Twitter for the people that look at that, I guess. <laughs> uh, we don't even do that stuff ourselves. But it'll be there so you can look at a nice, cool picture, good list. But... And so we're going to be talking about this more at the end of the episode. I think we should stop now because I think people want to hear a story, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll talk about the movie stuff if you guys want to stick around after so we can kind of talk about what we like about the movies and also uh, what's going to happen, yeah, for the week. So it'll be fun. So we do have a reason why this episode, there was a little bit of a break between our last episode and this one. It's because... We were out of town mm-hmm. doing a little haunted tourism. Yes, and that is exactly what this episode is about. Today, I will be talking about the Whaley House. Also, real quick, if I sound a little weird, that's because I'm super sick right now, and it's awful. But don't worry, I'm still very energetic. I'm probably overdosing on DayQuil, and I have hot cocoa, and I think I'm ready. So let's do this, guys. Located in San Diego, California, this historical landmark is considered and self-claims to being America's most haunted house. There is actually a sign right outside that says America's most haunted house. <laughs> we have to believe it. Yeah, it's on a sign. I mean, they do it themselves. You got to I mean, believe. if it was a Wikipedia entry, we'd be like, nah, but the sign. This is for real. We should make a sign like that and put it in front of our house. <laughs> The most haunted house on the block. Yeah, which might be true. (laughs) It might be true. (laughs) Chase and I had the opportunity to go to San Diego, like you said. And when we went to go visit the house, um, you know, we got to maybe experience some things ourselves. But I personally didn't feel anything. I don't know what you think, but I know we talked about it. So how about you let them know? So I'm going to say it's absolutely gorgeous, this house. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of visiting, like, old historic buildings. You know, my parents have been taking me to those things ever since I was a kid. I love doing it. This is right up there with them. It has that kind of, like, old place smell. You know, old furniture, old wood. It's old. It's a wonderful (laughs) smell. 
seriously got it was just beautiful inside good vibes nothing nothing scary but the stories we heard are pretty pretty out there yeah so i was kind of surprised i feel i feel like with the history i should have felt something at least just sad or whatever we should also point out though we did go we saw the first tour of the day which the sun was still up cuz i know it was like getting to fall but mm-hmm. wasn't quite there and they had some nighttime ones but it was hard to get the schedule all working so we did see it during the day i'm betting it would have been a lot creepier at night yeah it might have been which funny enough while i was doing my research i found out that the home seems to be most active in august and october <laughs> we went to go see it in the in middle September. of September. <laughs> During the lull. Yeah, there was a lull there, and we went. Huh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's weird. That is Why weird. Why August? Like, October, you're like, oh, it's the scary month. I get it. But, yeah. like, August. I have no idea. But that seems to be a trend, and I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> so let's start with a little history. Thomas Whaley was born on October 5th, 1823, in New York City. Three back days. to the 1800s. Yeah, back to the 1800s, but that's all right. It's just a pit stop. Actually, no, this whole story is in the 1800s. But this one's in the U.S., so at least we're taking a break still. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we're taking a break from England, which we apparently yeah, we have were, a problem with. We were thriving. And, you know, we want to get back there because we love that, that I know, era, but, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But we were doing, we were over overdoing it. Yeah. <laughs> Double dipping them chips. <laughs> he was the seventh child of 10, and when he was older... He took over his father's business and did really well for himself. So you're telling me six kids turned down taking over the business? No. Oh, oh, yeah. So, well, he's a... He was the seventh? He was the seventh. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess the other last two. I was supposed to be like the oldest who takes it over, but like there's six people who are like, nah. Well, this is the 1800s. Maybe he's like the first boy. Or the first one that made it past like age five. Oh, geez. That's... I don't that's say that with true. humor. I'm saying that actually in a very depressing yeah, note. It's a very true, um, for sure. Fast forward to when Thomas was 30 in 1853. He married Anna Louise in New York. Eventually, they traveled to San Diego and purchased property to build their new home in 1885. It took two years to build a two-story home to be completed, and the total cost, I guess, was $10,000, which today was estimated to be $305,000. That's actually still a good price. That's, I mean, like, really cheap, especially for San Diego or, or the whole California state. Yeah, yeah. For, for San Diego especially, but after the housing market we were just going through, I'm like, man, only a third of a million dollars by today's standards. I was like, that's, that's, a, that's a middle-class home. Yeah, which is really ridiculous. Not for San Diego. That's, like, oh, yeah. a hole. <laughs> it's, it's a box in an alleyway yeah. that you share. Exactly. I have 10 roommates in a box. We love San Diego. It's just too expensive. It's too expensive. (laughs) According to many sources, it's Southern California's oldest brick structure. It was San Diego's second uh, county courthouse and first theater. So this building is historically significant and was eventually deemed as a historical landmark on May 15th, 1960. Also, if any of you guys go visit the house... You'll find out that a lot of the furniture and artifacts are actually from the time. Oh, yeah. Perhaps not original to the Whaley House, but historically accurate, and it really does give the whole 1800s vibe. Like, it's it's perfect. Also, I should mention, since we were both there and I got a bit of the tour, it means I know some of the material, so mm-hmm. I've got a few questions I want to ask, but I want to see what she touches on before I ask these questions because she might actually have the answers and I don't want to waste time. But there was one particular couch I'm going to ask about in a little bit. Because that was the one that just intrigued me. I think I know what you mean, but yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. 
So all this historical information seems great and quaint, but underneath it all is a much more sinister past. Mm-hmm. Literally underneath. <laughs> where, where the house stands today, before the house was even built, was a location of the local gallows. One of the last deaths to occur on the property was that of Jim Robinson, a.k.a. Yankee Jim. In 1852, Yankee Jim and his two accomplices were caught stealing a boat. His two buddies were sent to jail, but Yankee Jim was sentenced to death. Because he sucked. Apparently so. He had a bit of a reputation. (laughs) (laughs) He was a well-known troublemaker in town and loved stealing horses, but also (laughs) was a raging alcoholic. (laughs) I'm just imagining him just walking down the street, he sees a horse, and he's just like, you know, I can't resist me, a horse. Just starts getting all hot and bothered. Oh, "Mm, my God. He's just like. Get me that horse. Him and his whiskey, yeah. (laughs) When when old Yankee gets all liquored up, he he comes home with three new horses. Don't ride and, no, don't drink and ride. (laughs) Man, I'd say absolutely, because if you do something stupid. That horse is going to keep running over you, yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of horses, just really quick. Remember how I told you that story about me falling off that horse? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's true, obviously. But then my brother pointed out, he's like, you got some details wrong. I mean, granted, I was like seven or oh, whatever. Yeah, I don't even uh, remember most of anything. Right, I don't either. I mean, I remember moments like me flying off the horse. Don't like, <laughs> so tell see- your brother's like, I threw you with the horse no. or something. <laughs> it was me who did it. <laughs> <laughs> I kicked you. I was wearing a horse mask. Yeah. Uh, no, he was the one on the horse, but my mom was putting me on the horse. And that's why when it bucked, I landed on her. And almost uh, it. So that makes more sense. Because I remember telling stories like, why did my mom also fall? But yeah, okay. So this all makes more sense. Okay. Anyway, I don't know why I had to correct that. So <laughs> here we go. It's good news for me. I like how I'm hearing all your life stories at the same time our audience is. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're my wife and I should know this. I'm like, nah, tell everyone else. Yeah, welcome to my past. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, stealing horses, super alcoholic. Needless to say, everyone in town didn't like him, so it was no surprise that his punishment would have been death. It was almost like on purpose. It was like, oh, this is a great way to get rid of him. His execution day was on September 18th, 1852, when the executioner was preparing the rope. I know, I think that's when we went to the Whaley house, wasn't it? On September 18th? Yeah, I think so. It literally and, just dawned no, it on said me. said 52, and this is 22, which means <gasps> it's an even match. So that would mean it was 170 years before. Wait, okay, so we left. No, we. I think we went to go see it on the 17th. Okay. But it's still so, like 170 still. years, give or take a day or two. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous because why wouldn't that time be more active? Because he died on the property, and I'm about to talk about that. Mm. Anyway, so we were there when he died. in spirit in spirit when the executioner was preparing the rope he severely underestimated yankee jim's height he was six five and at the time the average height of a man was five five so when the mule cart was pulled from underneath yankee jim jim's feet his toes were scraping the ground it took 45 minutes for him to die to strangle to be strangled to death i mean you'd think they would just shorten the rope and try again or something or like i don't know shoot him 45 minutes that is rough i've heard and i don't know how true this stuff is because whenever like people are hung in movies or in books they always talk a little bit about it and one of the things i remember hearing was if you try to hang someone and the rope breaks that they were allowed to go but i'm pretty sure maybe that was dependent upon a very specific situation that's town to town (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't I, know. 
or maybe that was never true. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah we're not going to let you go. We're just going to shoot you now. They're just pretending that humans were that kind. But I think the funniest part is you just told a really gruesome story about a guy who like hung to death for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So he's probably on his tippy toes trying to trying, stay alive. Right. Like that instinct kicks in instead of him just giving up. Yet that wasn't what I was focused on. You were telling me that the average height of a person back then was 5'5", five, five. and as a, a man of a towering 5'6", I was thinking, man, if I were back in those days, I'd be the tall man, ladies. You would be quite the debonair, indeed. No more getting looked down upon. Except Yankee Jim. That guy. Oh, gosh. We took care of him. Many, many people uh, died on the property, and so for obvious reasons, no one would think to build a house there. That is, unless you are the famous Thomas Swaley. Not only did he know about the property, what it was being used for, he was personally there when Yankee Jim was hanged, among other executions at the time. (laughs) In fact, one of the home's unique features includes a giant archway between the parlor and the music room that is literally representative of the exact spot where people were hanged. And we got to walk under it. And we stood right there. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was a beautiful wooden arch. It's it's really nice. And when the tour guide's like, and this is exactly where the gallows were, I I, I actually felt a little uneasy. I was like, <laughs> whoa, uh, that's messed up. Yeah, it went from beautiful to what the fuck. Just imagining Whaley like sitting there seeing this guy strangling for 45 minutes, and he's just like, I could imagine a couch next to him. <laughs> it would really tie the room together. <laughs> oh my god when i was reading about it also i did try to find out why he did this like why did he build this on where the gallows were and there was speculation that he built the archway to prove that he didn't believe it was a bad omen which is fine but it still doesn't explain why he didn't put the house somewhere else. There was so much land available at the time. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. So I don't know why he did that. Well, I think if I remember correctly, the tour guide mentioned something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, so I this may be inaccurate. Oh, maybe I forgot that. that. I he, don't know. That he was making a statement that it did not scare him, which mm-hmm. helped kind of push him into a position of respect or power oh. even if it was a figment of people's imagination but he, he he like had a message this does not scare me i'm building my house here like i'm a badass say, yeah oh i see he said it in so many words and that was the vibe i got from it maybe that's true maybe it's not take it with a great yeah because i remember him saying that he built the archway because he doesn't believe in bad omens and like and all he that wasn't stuff. a supernatural kinda. right but then i was like well who was forcing him to do it in the beginning and then i okay so it's just basically a power trip thing i think so okay that makes sense Before I talk about any hauntings, I wanted to leave uh, this quote here by Thomas. And this was while the house was being built. He said, quote, my new house, when completed, will be the most handsome, most comfortable and convenient place in town or within 150 miles of here. End quote. It's funny because he was very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) I was imagining the the voice of the narrator from Arrested Development going, it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) Uh, it would be revealed later when the Whaley children were all grown up that they believed the house was haunted from the get-go. Oh. Yeah. In particular, they would hear heavy footsteps walking around in the upstairs hallway. And when people stood in the middle of the archway, it was common to feel like you were being choked or having difficulty breathing. Mm. These hauntings are blamed on Yankee Jim and Anna Whaley, the wife, 
would say much later in life that she blamed Yankee Jim for all their misfortunes and believed that he somehow cursed the family. That's messed up. We were we were asked by the tour guide if we yeah. felt something around our throat. And he didn't ask, like, he would ask specific people throughout mm-hmm. the thing, like, do you feel it? Do you feel it? And then yeah. one guy's like, I do kind of feel it. I don't know if he was just, like, trolling or whatnot. <laughs> but I was sitting there and I was like, I hope you don't, man. That sounds messed up. Yeah, I was like, ooh, don't touch me. And I also just want to feel bad for anyone, any woman whose last name is Whaley, because that would just been hell in the schoolyard. Why? Because they would have just kept calling her the whale. <laughs> what? Have you <laughs> forgotten how cruel children can be? No, I know, <laughs> I don't remember in elementary school or whatever really referring to each other by our last names. It was always it was always like the first name, I think, a lot of the time. Well, but if your last name was weird, I absolutely remember that. I don't want to mention examples because they're actual people I knew and they were <laughs> oh, good no. people and so they don't deserve to have that continued. But I still remember some of the bad names that that kids gave and plenty of them were from the last name. I guess Whaley does I did think of a whale, but I wasn't specifically thinking to make fun of it. I was just like, oh, it kind of looks, sounds like a whale. because you didn't go to school with Anna the whale. Yeah, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> Poor Anna. Okay. So I'm going to go just a little bit in the family tree and the dramas that happen between. Thomas and Anna had three children while living there. Francis Hinton, Thomas Jr., and Anna Amelia. Unfortunately, after only 18 months of age, the second child, Thomas Jr., would die of scarlet fever. Today, people claim to hear a baby crying or cooing sounds coming from the upstairs nursery. That would be sad. Unsettling. Yeah, very much so. Later that same year, someone purposely set fire at the convenience store that was attached to the house, and it burned down. With the death and the fire, Anna was completely devastated and demanded that they move out of the house, and they did. They moved to San Francisco and lived there for 10 years. While in San Francisco, they had three more children, uh, George Hayes Ringgold, Violet Eloise, and Corinna Lillian. Eventually, the Whaley family would return to the house in San Diego, but only after a big earthquake that occurred in 1868. Mm. So they were kind of forced to it, but I guess they were ready to move back too. Yeah. In 1882, Violet Whaley married a man named George T. Bertolacci. Only two weeks after they got married and still on their honeymoon, Violet woke up to find her husband was gone. It turned out that George was a con artist and only married Violet for her fortune. However, after they got married, he didn't inherit any of the family's wealth and thought it was was not worth sticking around. Side note, other sources said that George left because he had an illegitimate child with another woman mm. in a neighboring town and blew all of their money on her. Oh, yeah, he wrote a letter. I guess this is also just information that the, from the past. Like, I don't know where the records are. I couldn't find sure. anything, but these are just like stories from the, from when it whatever. Yeah, uh, he wrote all this in a letter, and then he said at the end, "But I still love you." And then, adding salt to the wound, George left Violet the day before Valentine's Day. George would continue to write to Violet and tell her to give him a second chance and to give him just a year or two to settle his other affairs and he will be able to return to her. She doesn't give him another chance and proceeds to seek a divorce. Mm-hmm. But uh, since it was 1882, the town blamed Violet for her failed marriage because she's a woman. She should have been able to keep her man. They basically shunned her from society. Her friends refused to talk to her, and she was verbally assaulted when she was out and about. People suck. They do. 
The divorce took one year to finalize, which I guess made things a lot worse for her. Violet was severely depressed and had attempted to commit suicide by drowning in the bathtub. However, her father found her and saved her life. Concerned for her health, they took her to the doctor to which she was diagnosed with having melancholy, aka depression. The doctor advised that she be locked in a room and never left alone. Otherwise, she would attempt to kill herself again. Not long after this, Corinne Whaley's fiancé called off their wedding because he didn't want to associate with the family that had a divorcee Mm. and an attempted suicide scandal. Damn. Upon hearing the news of her sister's canceled engagement, Violet spiraled even further into depression. Um, One day, while her father went out briefly, Violet went over to his desk and wrote her family a letter that read, quote, My darling family, I love you and I will miss you, but no doctors can help me now. I am cursed and I am a curse. Lovingly, Violet, end quote. There was also a really popular poem attached to it, but I didn't write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She then grabbed the revolver that was in the desk drawer and went out to the outhouse, where she knew she would be left alone. There, she turned the gun to herself and shot herself in the chest. She didn't die right away. (laughs) Her father had actually returned home in time and found her lying in the outhouse. He picked her up and put her back into the house and laid her down on the couch that was in the parlor room, which we saw. Right while, next to the, the arch where the gallows were. Right, right there, yes. And uh, there wasn't much they could do for her, and it took just 15 minutes for her to die. To this day, when people walk into the parlor room, adults in particular, they feel depressed or heaviness in the air. Sometimes if they are particularly sensitive, uh, people will smell what would be described as metallic or iron, or something iron-like, which would be considered to be probably blood, sure. is what they're smelling. And so now that we're at that point, you mentioned something about... Yeah, so one, all I smelled was like wood and ancient antique furniture and stuff. Of course. There was a couch, uh-huh. and the guy who did the tour, he said, this couch here, which made me think that might have been the original couch she died on. No, it wasn't. Aww. No, it wasn't the original couch. But it was a replica. And okay. I think it... I don't... I don't think that was, like, going to be an actual one from the 1800s. I think they literally made it look like the one that they used to own, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't survive time. It was a tiny couch. It was pretty small. It was pretty I, narrow. I would not like binge-watching Netflix on that time. No, time. not at all. <laughs> so during the time that the family was living in San Francisco, so going back just a little bit, when the family was still living in San Francisco, they did rent out rooms to people. While living there, tenants would have their own paranormal experiences. Handprints would appear on their beds. They would hear whispering in their ear while they try to sleep, hearing footsteps in the hallway, and having an uneasy feeling like they were being watched. At the time, there wasn't any way to really record this information or who to tell. Like, there wasn't an organization where they were sure. collecting, you know, these encounters. And But people did believe it more then. They did believe it more, but there was also this kind of, like, Maybe I don't want to tell people because I don't oh, want to sound yeah. crazy. You don't, you don't, yeah, you don't want to be shunned just like that one woman who had a horrible husband right. was shunned. Exactly. Because people are stupid. And mostly these kind of encounters or stories didn't come out again until the Whaley children were older. Mm. And I guess they just talked about it. When Thomas Whaley died in 1888 and the home was beginning to fall in disrepair, Francis decided to restore the Whaley home, which is one of the kids. Most of the home was used as a tourist attraction and was maintained by the Whaley children. Anna, Corinne, Francis, and George would live out their years and die in the home. 
Friends and neighbors who knew the family personally would eventually corroborate their stories and claim that they also saw strange shadowy figures standing in the window when they would be outside. The window overlooking the outhouse, right? Um, That one was probably like the biggest, more, more active window, but they did say like sometimes curtains would move and especially at night or whatever. It's just very creepy. And yeah, they always our, felt very eerie when they were there. Our tour guide definitely was like pointing at this one specific window and everyone was like, yeah. like I'll be the one to see it. And then there was one other window where the curtains were blowing out of it. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, ooh, I wonder if that's intentional. But then I remembered, no, this is San Diego. This house doesn't have air conditioning and it was hot as hell. <laughs> it was very hot. Uh, yeah. Also around the early 1900s, Lillian would continue to rent out rooms to tenants who would later confirm that the house was haunted. They would most often experience cold spots, hearing footsteps again, and whispers in the rooms that were not occupied. So mm. a lot of these hauntings are so reoccurring. It feels like almost everyone that goes to this house experienced something or like, sure. is there long enough? I should yeah. say. Yeah. I mean, we're only inside for like 30 minutes and we didn't have the chance to experience something maybe, but either way, <laughs> it's pretty haunted. Okay. So now that I gave a lot of the historical information, but with somewhat paranormal stories in between, let's get into just, specifically haunted experiences that other people have had in the house. Um, It's said that there are seven identifiable spirits living in the house. However, with so many paranormal investigators coming through and mediums and psychics and whatnot, they do say that there is more, but they've only like a, I don't know if I want to say official, but like, I guess there are names of seven that they know at the very least are in the house. And I think a lot of them are family members, Yankee Jim, those kind of people. Okay. Um, speaking of paranormal investigators, the Unsolved team went to the Whaley House in yeah, season one. Did. Yeah, it was the first season. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like one of the first few episodes that they did it. And so Ryan was still extra scared of everything. So it was really fun to watch. <laughs> did they stay there overnight? No, they didn't do the overnight thing yet. Okay. We should totally rewatch that episode. Oh, yeah, totally. While they were in the courthouse, Ryan explains that people have seen a woman standing in the back corner of the room near the jury box. He also shares that many investigators and mediums believe there is a spiritual vortex in one of the corners of the room. During their investigation, Shane's flashlight goes out while they're asking questions, like completely dies. Did they set it up to do that thing where the flashlights go on no. and off or was it just the one he was holding? He was, he was the, one, the one he was using. Huh. Yeah. And when sitting on the chair, Ryan hears a creaking sound coming from the chair next to him. He then says that he feels weird and dizzy. The chair that he was sitting next to is also the chair that people say they've seen Thomas Whaley sitting in. So he specifically sat there because he oh, knew it was haunted. Yeah. yeah. And that's what he experienced. Kind of cool. During their investigation in the parlor room, Ryan hears and captures someone whispering. I heard the audio. It was a little vague. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been a lot of other things. Yeah, but, you know, he was there. So if he heard it, he heard it. Whatever. I don't <laughs> Ryan know. Ryan believes everything. <laughs> I believe Ryan. Back when the Whaley family still lived in the house, Marion Eloise Reynolds, who was Anna Whaley's great-granddaughter, would often visit the house. One day when she was still a toddler, she found a bottle on the table that contained Kellogg's ant paste. For those who don't know, and I didn't know either, Kellogg's ant paste is actually arsenic. Its purpose is to exterminate ants in the house. Mm-hmm. I found a cool little advertisement from a newspaper published in 1915 advertising the poison can be bought at any grocery store. So it's a very common household item. 
which means after a few incidents where people accidentally ingested the product and resulted in death, the manufacturers were forced to put a cap that rattled on top of the bottle. That way, when people picked it up, they immediately knew it was poisonous. Adults knew it was poisonous. (laughs) Adults. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Adults. Because unfortunately, when little Marion picked up the bottle and it rattled, she thought it was a toy. And while playing with it, the cap popped off. Like it just, I don't know how, but it did. 1800s engineering at its finest. (laughs) Yeah. And because arsenic kind of smells like candy, it's a little sweet. Yeah. The child ingested the poison and died 10 days shy of her third birthday. That's so sad. It's super sad. Um, Today, when people take tours in the house, particularly women, they would often feel a little hand holding their hand. (laughs) It's so sad. I know. It's believed to be Marion wanting to show affection. Other times, people would feel something about knee-high past them or tug on their clothes. It is so... That's heartbreaking. Oh, man. We got to see a replica. Well, not a replica. I think it was one of the poison jars. I don't think it was the poison jar, but just like it. No, it wasn't the... the. And it was tiny. Like, a three-year-old could easily handle a bottle that small. Absolutely. They really could. And if they really tried hard enough, apparently they can open anything, from what I hear. So, it's not unheard of. It is interesting to actually hear the stories where, like, safety protocols come from. Oh, 100%. Because every time there's, like, something that prevents you from opening up your bottle of medicine or something, you know there's a story associated with it. So it's really (laughs) weird to actually hear one of the stories like, oh, this is, these are the kinds of reasons why we And it happened just enough to where they had to engineer something safe, safer, you know. They're like, okay, the rattling, bad choice. Kids like that. <laughs> X-name. Kids like the rattle. <laughs> Maybe we should try something bright and colorful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like some of those um, like cleaning solutions. That look like juice. I think it's called Fabuloso or something looks like, like that. Kool-Aid. Yeah, it legit looks good. I want to drink it. Yeah. I won't, but it looks good. Well, I know it won't be good just by the smell, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Another fun story, because that one was so fun. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> was, Ooh, uh, oh, what's up? Uh, before we go too far, I don't know if you were going to mention it later, but oh. the courthouse, you know, we mentioned that Ryan Bergara, you know, had an, exp- like the unsolved people were there. Sure. That was the first part of the tours we went into the courthouse and it is still set up like a courthouse, which I thought oh, was weird. Did uh, I not mention that yet? Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the, uh, tour guide said it is still actively used. Mm-hmm. And I think the most recent I was used was just back in March, a few months back. Oh yeah. I do have that in my notes at the end. I just have like. What's what's going on today? Did you learn what kinds of trials are there? Because um, that was not given to us on the tour. No, I don't. But it was actually in May 17, 2022. Ooh, May. Yeah, and it was used for the first time in 151 years. Oh, that was the first that time. That was the first time. It reopened, yeah. Oh. Since it was a historical event, and because the Whaley House has such an infamous past, the parties involved were actually asked if it was okay. Because if they felt unsafe... They weren't going to do it. So they had to, like, go to different cases and be like, are you guys okay with this? Are you guys okay with this? Being in a haunted courtroom? And and apparently, yeah, they found a group who was willing to do it, like both parties participating, and that's why it happened. Could you imagine seeing an episode of Judge Judy with, like, (laughs) like low, dim lights and, like, weird effects held in a haunted courtroom just for the ridiculousness of it? Yeah, that would be, I think, I don't know how the ghost would respond to something so, like, you know what I mean? Because it's so dramatized and, and, you know, she (laughs) has to be, like, extra mean. 
but although when she's mean, it is pretty like correct. So it's not, it's like the best kind of mean. It's like, well, she's not wrong, <laughs> but she's kind of mean. <laughs> she's just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the update on the courthouse right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the other fun story I have for you is when the house was still, or still had the general store attached to it, neighborhood kids would always hang around there. And some of the kids ended up befriending the Whaley kids. Well, one of the friends by the name of Ann Bell Washburn was playing outside and running around when she accidentally ran into a low-hanging clothesline so hard that it broke her neck. What? Thomas Whaley ran out and took the child into the dining room where she eventually died on top of the table. That seems a little suspicious to me. This one doesn't... There are no records, but it is a story that's commonly... I saw it so many times, and I, I don't know. I guess... How many records are there of these kind of things, though? You know, children's death, maybe a name would be in a book of when the child died. But cause, it would say broken neck. But that's it. And I I think what makes me uneasy is what I know about clotheslines now and stuff that seems like an incredibly difficult way to break your neck. But there's probably all these things like maybe back then clotheslines were made out of chains or something. And it was <laughs> they're made you know, of arsenic. Yeah, something crazy. And maybe there's a good logical explanation. But I'd say by what I know about clotheslines in the 20th century, that's a fishy story. It is a fishy clothesline. Just kidding. All right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. Edit out. Just kidding. So today, since the little girl died on the table, it's common for people to hear a little kid running around it. Or seeing little hands reaching out from underneath the table. Oh, that's creepy. That is a huge no for me. Little hands is... (laughs) Sounds awful. Just imagine you're sleeping, and then you wake up in the middle of the night, and you kind of look around. You know, your eyes have adjusted. You just look around, and you just see this little hand coming out from behind your dresser. Yeah, I would burn the dresser. Question is, would you just run out of the house and leave me there to get eaten by the child? Or uh-huh. <laughs> would you wake me up and be like, do you see that hand too? Am I tripping? I think I would scream waking you up. And then it's up to you if you want to follow me. <laughs> Your thing is I'll <laughs> scream. That would totally be me waking him up, but I'm not actually going to put effort into it. Actually, it just reminds me of that one scene in the office where Creed, it's like a meeting where they're trying to help them f- figure out how to like fight in an event of a robbery or mm-hmm. like, if you're ever attacked, because like whatever they got attacked in the parking lot, and Toby's like, all you have to do is hit, scream, and run. And <laughs> Creed gets up from his chair, hits, scream, and just fucking runs out of the meeting. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why that just popped in my head. That's what I would do. I would hit the child, scream, and run. It's up to everyone else if they want to join me. And I would sleep through it because I'm a heavy sleeper. <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Some other common hauntings is people have seen apparitions uh, with a red mark around their neck. So if there's a figure and it looks like they've been choked, it's likely either Yankee Jim or some other poor soul that died on the property. I mean, they probably hung more than a few people there. So yeah. Oh, they did. There's like tons. The rocking chair that's in Thomas Jr.'s nursery would be seen rocking on its own. Uh, smelling cigar smoke is common and it's believed to be from Thomas Whaley. That one doesn't weird me out so much. Not some as much. It's just sense. Kind of, especially when it gets weather gets hot. Some of those smells can kind of just like. Ooh, waft. maybe. That's true. The other ones are would be very creepy, but I don't think the cigar smell would. I don't even think I'd register it. Yeah. Well, if you smell the smoke, it's likely that he's around. And Thomas Whaley is frequently seen on top of the second floor staring down the stairwell. So mm. that would be kind of creepy. 
oh, I got a photo of you when I was standing at the top of the stairwell and she's at the bottom. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was in the Whaley staring position. So seeing me, that's what it would look like to him, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Feeling pressure on the chest like someone is sitting on you is a favorite for the ghosts. Feeling like you're being watched is common. Lights would go on and off or not turn on at all. So when inspected, they could never figure out what happened because the lights would always come back to normal. And the electricity would have been updated at this point. It's not like it's like, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. People have heard music in the theater room and seen the the chandelier swing back and forth on its own. Now, this one is one of my favorite stories. It's a police report, a legit police report. Yeah, this is cool. In 1973, a nine a 911 call was placed after multiple people witnessed a woman sitting outside the Whaley house crying. This responding officer went to the house and saw, quote, a woman at the back of the house crying, end quote. He noted that the woman was dressed in period clothing. And as he got closer, he asked, quote, ma'am, are you all right? End quote. The woman then turned around and smiled. It was too dark to make out her features so when he pointed his flashlight at her, in that very instant, she vanished. I love that story. <laughs> and it's a public record. Like, you can just look it up. Yeah, this was filed. Like, this was written down as an official police report that yeah. some chick just disappeared in front of me. And the fact that other people saw it before him. So she was there for a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just chilling and hanging out. I mean, I'm assuming cops showed up on the scene a lot quicker back then. Probably. Maybe, Maybe there was less people. I don't know. <laughs> but I assume it was still a while. Yeah. Another thing is smelling lavender means that Mrs. Whaley is nearby. You would hate that because you hate lavender. I do. She is also spotted in the garden and in the parlor room. She's usually wearing a green gingham dress. Gingham dress? I don't know how to pronounce that. Gangnam style? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) She was way ahead of the time. uh, Well, I did look it up. Not how to pronounce it, but it's basically a long checkered dress. It kind of looks like a picnic table fabric that you would wear. Oh, okay. Yeah. One night when one of the tour guides, Victor Santana, was setting the alarm, he heard a woman's voice whisper in his ear saying, quote, why are you here? End quote. He was so scared that he ran out of the house without completing the code. This caused the alarm to go off and authorities to be notified. When the police officer arrived shortly after, he saw Santana standing outside and asked, what's going on? Santana told him that there was a woman in a green dress inside the parlor room the officer called the, for backup, but by the time they showed up, no one, no one no one was there. Right. It was assumed that it was the ghost of Anna Whaley. Speaking of alarms going off, the windows and the bottom of the floor are sealed shut because they would often just open open up in the middle of the night and trigger the alarm. And you'd think, okay, like maybe robbers or something like that. But no, when they would go and investigate, everything was fine. That's got to be an OSHA violation, though. I well, like I we think hammered the windows shut. I did notice that there were actually like emergency exits. Oh yeah, they had, and yeah. stuff like that. So I guess you don't jump out the window; you just go through the door. <laughs> if you I mean, can. that's the way we're gonna do it at our house. Go out the door. That's the plan. Children that visit the house have been known to approach the tour guides and ask where the dog that was following them go. So I guess there's like a ghost dog on the property, and oh. sometimes ghost cat. Kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Parents have also reported saying that their kids would mention another child that was on the tour, but no other child would have been there. So they're like, what other kid? You're like the only kid here. Okay, so those stories kind of weird me out a little bit because 
I wouldn't even be able to tell you much about the people we toured with. I wasn't paying much attention to other people on the tour because I was enjoying the tour. So, like, who well, is paying attention to other kids on the tour? Other kids. Like, I think parents would be more aware. And I think if your child was talking to a child, you would notice, is my assumption. And this would be something more observant for them to do. Okay. Um, and so when That's they're fair. like, kids are like, yeah, I want to play with my friend. And you're like, there's no one else here. What are you talking about? Okay, that is fair, but yeah. I was just, I guess where I was going with that was, if there was someone on our tour who was a ghost, I wouldn't have known, unless they had, like, 1800s garb, then I'd been like, <laughs> I'd been like, either really weird cosplay, or it's totally a ghost. Yeah, which our tour guide was definitely in kind of period clothing, which is pretty fun. At night, after the Whaley house has closed for the day, people still report seeing someone standing in front of the second floor window. Or see the curtains move, mm-hmm. which at that time, the the windows would be closed. So there should not be any wind totally. or whatnot. And it's believed to be Violet still peering out the window, like you said. Thinking about shooting herself again. Yeah, thinking about that douche. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Haunted and historical tours are held every single day. And it's estimated that over 100,000 people visit the home each year. Which leads me to the last part of my story, uh, Yelp and TripAdvisor reviews. Yay, my favorite. <laughs> All right. So, Lori M. We had a great time. Shep was our tour guide. Fantastic. Wasn't expecting experiences, but they happened. <laughs> <laughs> In the parlor room, my sister had an issue trying to catch her breath. I walked out of the house and noticed a big blood blister on my arm. I had no idea how it happened. No pain. Nothing. Okay, well, so under that point of view, I must always be in haunted places because sometimes I'll just look at my hand and I'll have a cut that's bleeding. I'll be like, where the hell did that happen? Ooh. You see it. Sometimes I just walk in there and like, Lily, I cut myself and, you, and you'll just roll your I eyes and be so. like, what'd you do this time? I was like, I don't know. But and you it, always cut yourself, I guess. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not a delicate. <laughs> flower. Yeah. <laughs> When I said, like, oh, man, we should really cut that apple in half. Give me a butcher's knife. Yeah. Let's do it with this rusty machete. (laughs) Karen T. says, I had an afternoon to kill in San Diego, so I decided to visit Old Town. While there, I came across a Whaley house. I had heard this was one of the most haunted places in the U.S., so I I was curious to see if I could experience anything. Well, the dining room is beyond creepy. It was very negative presence. That was a weird sentence. I also picked up an herbal smell in that room. A docent told me they don't use any air fresheners and that I wasn't the first one to comment on the herbal smell. Upstairs, I picked up a strong male presence in the master bedroom and a female presence in the back bedroom, which I was told was Violet. All in all, it was an interesting visit. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what people mean when they say, I feel like, I I know the idea of feeling like you're being watched, but I don't think I've ever felt... Like a presence, and I was like, I know the gender of the presence that I'm. I I don't. I you don't know, think my feelings have ever been I've that never, in depth or complicated. I've never had anything like that in my myself. And even when I enter a room, and I'm like, oh, there's there's someone else here, and then I turn around, there is because you know I'm not very observant. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, a male must be within feet <laughs> of me. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. So Tiffany L says. I normally watch paranormal investigation shows, and when I got the chance to visit San Diego, I had to take the opportunity to go explore one of the most attractive, oh, most active haunted house in the county. You are given a paper for a self-guided tour that gives a background on every area of the house and its history. 
When I was in the courtroom, my camera stopped working right before I was about to take a picture. It's actually common for electronic devices to unexpectedly stop working in this area of the house. I caught a face of a woman wearing a veil or scarf over her head in a room where Violet Whaley supposedly died. I also felt a tingling sensation on my right leg. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's said to have maybe have been the family dog or cat. I think she's trying to assume like maybe there was an animal or something. Yeah. Kitchen 305 says. Kitchen (laughs) Sorry. I I was not expecting those words to come in. Kitchen 305. (laughs) Because all the other ones I'm like, Lori, Karen, Tiffany. Yeah, so Kitchen 305 says, first time there, and my experience was very eerie. I walked into the dining room right off the courtroom. I was in the dining room all by myself. I looked around and took a picture. And as soon as I took a picture, my whole body felt tingly and weird. Feeling came over me. I felt like I was not alone in the room. So I looked at the picture and saw black shadow in the right side of it. Hmm. No picture was posted. I tried looking. Typical. Yeah. Carrie Agogo <laughs> says, my husband and I were the first or were the last visitors of the day. The weirdest two things that happened was a constant electric electric shock on my finger and watching the curator freak out when she saw the doorknob turn and open by itself. <laughs> that would be, yeah, no. I totally would, if I was like doing tours, yeah. I'd have someone else to do slightly creepy, make a sound somewhere else just to make the tour more exciting. It would, be, it would jazz it up. But I would actually say that it's kind of one of those instances where if a guide freaks out, you're like, okay, that is not normal. Kind of like when you're on a flight and the flight attendant looks alarmed, then you know this is like for real. Yeah, yeah, you're like, uh-oh. You kind of look at their faces like, is this okay? <laughs> Got to find <laughs> wherever I- they told me that inflation vest was. Yeah. Should have been paying <laughs> inflation attention. Inflation vest. Where's that balloon? <laughs> <laughs> so Ken L says, my wife and I went to the Whaley house last Thursday and I was compelled to describe what I felt, keeping in mind that I am totally into the paranormal. So he admits it. As I walked through the night tour with our tour guide, Julie, I began feeling lightheaded, almost carsick. In the parlor, I felt it the most. I also felt a coldness. That wasn't the end, though. When I left, I felt fine. When I got to our hotel room and went to bed, I felt a pressure in my back that went Mm. through my chest. So something followed them. I don't know. No, it wasn't a heart attack. I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, that's what he said. Oh, oh, that's what he said. I thought you were yeah. looking at me like it wasn't no, a heart attack. No, no. No, it wasn't a heart attack. Then I had a dream of what I thought was Mrs. Whaley. Anyway, I'm looking forward to returning to see what else might happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for some more not heart attacks. I know, apparently so. Um, and those are the end of my reviews. Those are my favorite ones. And yeah, that's my that's my story for today. So the Whaley house was a lot of fun. It's not as big as it sounds. It sounds like it's a huge house. It's really not that big. Mm -hmm. But it is a very unique house. It's very interesting. Some of the rooms, you can only walk up to them. They have kind of like museum-style low barriers, so you can't walk into the rooms. You can kind of just see how it's set up. But it was really neat. I don't even remember how much it cost. It wasn't that expensive, but it's, it's absolutely worth your time. And it's in Old Town, San Diego, other cool stuff to look around. But... It was a blast, and it wasn't the only haunted thing that we saw in San Diego. Nope. So next episode, I'm going to cover another haunted place we went to, but we'll get to that next episode. We're not actually going to do a second story this time. After the break, we're going to talk about 
briefly the movies that we're going to watch for the next week. And we also are going to talk about a movie that we saw in theaters last week with some friends that we just can't wait to recommend to you guys. Oh, yeah. So we'll see you in a second. All right, so we're back, and we're going to tell you about this week's upcoming movies that we'll talk about, you know, a little more in depth next week when we discuss, you know, which our favorites were, which our least favorites were. Mm -hmm. So first up, which was yesterday, uh, was Day Shift, which is a brand new movie on Netflix with the Jamie Fox, uh, Jamie Fox, the Franco brother, and Snoop Dogg. Yep, (laughs) Dave Franco's. I think Dave Franco. Yeah, and so as as. as Lily can attest, when I was watching the movie, I said, "Oh, Snoop Dogg's in this. I have a soft spot for him for some reason in movies. I'm just like, love seeing him in movies. Yeah, he's great. I, he was really good in this movie, too. Yeah, we had no idea what to think. We're going to talk about it more later. The next movie is Hell House LLC. It's been out for a couple years. That's a found footage horror film. It's one of Lily's favorites. Yeah, so that came out in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have The Final Girls, which is a comedy that makes fun of horror tropes. We've had that on lists in the past because it's just an amazing film. It's so film. good. It's I look forward. Hilarious. I really do look forward to watching that movie every year. Oh, so. absolutely. So good. Great yeah. cast. And then we have Hellraiser. So we're talking the original Clive Barker's Hellraiser, but also I think on that same day, Hulu's new Hellraiser is also debuting. So we're going to try to watch both, but we kind of put it on our list as watch one of them if you want to. Like either or it's fine. Or right. both. Yeah. If you're into the extra credit. And then you got to tell me more about number five. It's called Bit, and that one's on Amazon Prime. I know nothing about it, like B-I-T, Bit. Okay, so it's it came out in 2019. I have not seen seen it myself, obviously. This movie is a bit of a gamble. I'm not going to lie. Is it vampire It's vampire. It was directed by Brad Michael Elmore. I tried looking stuff about mm-hmm. him, but apparently he hasn't done a whole lot. But okay. what he has done is horror, so I'm hoping that that's if he loves and, it, and- then maybe it'll be good. I don't know. And so that's going to be a free one for all all you people who have Prime, which I think actually is most people. Yeah. So we'll hopefully that one's good. If it's not, sorry, that's a new one to us. The sixth movie we have is Terrifier. Hell yeah! Now we've seen it. It's a weird movie. <laughs> it's it's it is kind of a B movie, but not cheesy. But it's weird. Expect kind of a like low budget horror film, but it's really good. I, f- I love it so much. It, it, but it's quirky. I could totally see most people we know that like horror movies would either be on the love it or hate it fence. I don't see a lot of in between there, but it is gory, just as a heads up. And the sequel, Terrifier 2, is coming out to theaters maybe on that day. I think it's that same day. Yeah. Okay. And so I think that's why you put it on there. I'm pretty sure. We're yeah. pretty excited to see it. I've, I haven't heard much about the sequel, so I don't know what to expect, but. Then I think the the last one we have for the week is One Cut of the Dead. Yep. Which is one I think we tried to do in a previous year, but there was no way to watch it. Yeah, the year we tried to do it, it was like not available anywhere. Yeah. I had no idea what to do. And so we never watched it and it was on my dumb list. And then this time around, I saw it just pop up. It's on freaking Shutter now, but you yeah. can also rent it. Yeah, and so we don't have Shutter. We tried right. Shutter for a while. It's not really for me, but if you have Shutter, it's free on that, or you can rent it, which is what we're gonna do. Now that one will have subtitles. It's Korean or is it's it? It's Japanese. It's Japanese. Okay. Yeah. Couldn't remember. So those are the movies that we're gonna be watching. So there's plenty that we haven't seen. There's some good comedies mm-hmm. in there. So there's a good variety. We will discuss them a little bit more next week. Kind of favorite movies, favorite mm-hmm. scenes, favorite things like that. If you want to join us, please do. But what I want to tell you about now is we actually got a little ahead of the game. And last week, 
two of our friends, shout out to Tom and Alex, mm-hmm. brought us to a movie. So story time, when we got a text saying, do you guys want to see Barbarian tonight? <laughs> and I had no idea what that was. I was apparently so out of the loop. I didn't know. And I was thinking, oh, maybe it's like a band because they they often are going to like really cool, obscure bands that I've never heard of. And then Lily's like, no, it's a horror film. And I'm like, called Barbarian? Yeah. And I was like, don't tell me anymore. I love surprises. I'm obsessed with surprises, which is funny because I'm not a uh, impulsive guy. No. <laughs> I'm not impulsive at all, but for some reason I'm obsessed with surprises. Well, the thing is, is like, I'd say with Barbarian, you were like, don't tell me anymore. And I was like, don't worry. I saw the trailer. I don't know anything either. Like, <laughs> the trailer was so vague. It's ridiculous. So when I was like going to the theater, I was trying not to think about it, but in my head I was like, ooh, Barbarian, maybe it's going to be like an ancient medieval horror film or something like that. I was completely <laughs> wrong. We aren't going to talk about the plot or anything because the whole point behind this movie and all the reviews that have been out for it mirror this. The most amazing part about this movie is how unpredictable it is. Right. You know, it doesn't follow tropes. It doesn't follow cliches. I really honestly did not know what was going to happen with the movie. It was so unpredictable to me. That at one point, about halfway through the movie, there was this quick shift that I wasn't expecting. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, is this an anthology movie where there's multiple stories? And we just saw Uh... a skip end that I like. I was like, oh, my God, please don't let that be the end of the story. It was not. It's a full on movie. But that kind of just points out how unpredictable it is that they do weird things and and, and stuff changes. But it's uh, all I can say is this movie is phenomenal. I loved it. I I thought it was great. And. I just, okay, so there are parts of it where you're like, oh, maybe it's a little slow, but I think it was really important to really just have that kind of pacing for the movie, and then it just really took off, and you know what I mean? It really, really worked out in the end. Absolutely, and I watched the trailer when I got home, and you're right, it doesn't tell a lot, but for people who want at least a little something, because I know Lily's the kind of person, she wants something to know what she's going to absolutely watch the trailer it does not ruin the movie for you it does kind of get you ready for it so you guys should absolutely do that just for a little more information about the movie is it's directed by zach kreger who this is Mm -hmm. his like first horror film but it's also his first like major motion picture Mm -hmm. he had done a couple things before that comedies because he's part of the this like group called the whitest kids you know is what i I found Uh, i've never seen it but i've heard about it uh, the stars of the movie are Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. We've all seen Justin Long because he's in a lot of He's in films. a lot of stuff, yeah. Tusk, I think, was the one that was the most disturbing. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Justin Long, he was in Jeepers Creepers, Tusk, like you oh, said. Oh, shoot. That's right. Jeepers Creepers. House yeah. of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell, Ghost Team. He's That's in it. a lot of horror films. Man, Drag Me to Hell, I've not seen that in a, a long, long time. Absolutely. And Bill Skarsgård. You guys might know as the clown in the most recent It movies. Yeah. And Georgina Campbell, I've never seen her before. She actually has an impressive list of credits. I just haven't seen anything she's been in. She blew me away. Amazing actress. I oh, I yeah. hope she has a really promising future because she's she stole the scene she was in. She's great. Yeah. But the movie's awesome. For people who might be worried about things, just as a word of warning, it is a gross film. Not gory. But it is gross. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So it's got a lot of ick moments. And if that's something you can't handle, you might want to read more about it before jumping into the movie, even if it ruins something, just in case. And there are some 
really disturbing things in there. That- True crimey. Not trying to like give any, but you know, a lot of horror movies have that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's some, there's some very potential triggers in this movie. Yeah. So if you find yourself sensitive to particular triggers, you also probably should read more about this film, even if it ruins plot elements, because if you think it might bother you, do it. Otherwise, if you're, if you're like, I can handle all that, jump into this movie. The one thing I will say is there've only been now, this is the third one. There's only been three movies. I've left the theater with my stomach feeling sick really? and just feeling kind of grossed out and a sense of dread. And I knew that was because the horror movie did its job well. The first one was 28 Days Later when I saw it in theaters. Loved it. The second one was The Orphanage. Oh, that's and I mean right. the Spanish one. I don't mean there was another movie called The Orphan. That's not what I'm talking about. The Spanish movie and this one where I left the theater and I felt really upset <laughs> <laughs> because it actually terrified me and made me feel... The, the whole weight of the horrible situation, right. which is good. So strong recommendation. Yeah. I I feel like because we were talking highly about Prey, which is a very different kind of movie. That was a very oh, fun right. action movie. I do think it is important to mention that this is one of the better horror films. I've yeah, seen. you need to watch this one this month and you need to watch Prey. I didn't add those in the calendar because we had just seen them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few other horror films that either came out on September 30th or have come out this month. We're going to try to see them. We'll post on the Instagram account when we do see them. Yeah. And we'll mention them in the show. Obviously, we would have no spoilers for new movies in theaters. That won't happen. Of course. But be warned, when we discuss old movies next week, there will be spoilers. Oh, 100%. So watch out. (laughs) So if you're joining us for the Halloween movie month, get ready. Watch your movies. Enjoy them. We're going to try to post stuff on social media about what we're seeing. Feel free if you have our phone number, text us and tell us about it. (laughs) We're looking at you, Sean. And Chrissy. She's like all about it too. So here we are. But I think that brings this episode to a close. Yes. I've been needing to sneeze for a minute now. But we're going to edit out some of the previous sneezes. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) So thanks for joining us. And I hope some of you were pleasantly creeped out by the Whaley House. And if you have any comments, questions, or personal scary stories you want to drop, hit us up at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. We are currently building our user listener stories for the Halloween episode. We might have some more room, but I maybe not. But if you have anything, please feel free to send it to us. And for those of you that are listening to us at work or while driving, we hope you have a great day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. <laughs> and if you are listening to us because you had too much fun last night and you are suffering today... Don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.